You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Earth Station One listeners. Welcome to another episode. This time out, we are going to be coming to you live. That's right. We went to a con this past weekend, and we actually got to talk about what's next in the MCU. That's right. We're looking at Marvel and all the different projects they have coming up. And it's myself, Mike Gordon, and Mr. Michael Faulkner joined a great crew of audience members, and we had a great discussion all about, you know, all the different projects like Doctor Strange, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, you name it, it's coming. You know, Marvel is just like boom, boom, boom. We have so much to talk about. So it was a great panel, Got to, had some great questions from the audience, and, you know, it's it was just a lot of fun. But sadly enough, going live actually got Mr. Mike Gordon a little tired. So he is actually not here tonight. And we actually have sitting in for him, Mr. Mark Maddox, the award-winning artist himself. Howdy, sir. Howdy. <laughs> Shouldn't you have done it a little bit more with a hat on with a little price tag on it? Howdy. Well, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Good. Um, there's a couple reasons we had you on for tonight. It's been way too long since we've had you on the show. And first yeah. off, but we also are going to be talking to an amazing author in a little bit. We're talking to author tonight. His name is Julian David Stone, and he is writing an amazing book called It's Alive. And it's talking about the three days leading up to the filming of the movie Frankenstein back in 1931. Very so. cool. And when I think of monsters, you're the first person I'm who comes monster. to mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're the monster guy. So, you know, it's either you or Anthony Taylor when I think of monsters. So, right. And so I thought it would have been I just fun. It's pretty cool. So it's going to be neat talking to him. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let us know how you guys been. Did you anyone have come to the Fandemic Tour over the weekend and see us and say hi? Because we did have a few people walk up to us and say, you're Earth Station 1. I love you guys. So it's always a nice thing when you actually have people do that at a con. And, you know, definitely write us. Let us know how we're doing. Did you guys, you know. Have you guys seen anything exciting? Are you watching anything exciting? We definitely love hearing all about that. So please, feedback at earthstation1.com. Also want to do a big shout out to our friends over at the Patreon of ESO Network. That's what we're going to call it now, the Patreon of ESO Network. It almost sounds more official that way. You know, it sounds like godly, like Thor is saying it or something like that. <laughs> and yes, you too can become a, a member of the Patreon of the ESO Network, for as little as a dollar a month. Yes, you too can get really cool exclusive merchandise, including right this week, uh, Earth Station DCU is posting their review of The Batman. That's right. We have to talk in the voice whenever we say, The Batman. So it's pretty cool. You know, at least we're not just calling him vengeance anymore. I'm vengeance. 
definitely you too can sign up at patreon.com slash ESO network. And we have all different levels and we love the folks who support us. And if you haven't yet, why not? What are you waiting for? It does. It's only a dollar a month. We really need the money folks. We really need the money, but you know, we just try not to beg too, too much, but you know, definitely check it out. ESO network, Patreon. So please check out the Patreon of ESO. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Also, want a big shout out to our sponsor this week, which is Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optical is a sunglass company based out of Watkinsville, Georgia, and they actually have some amazing pairs of sunglasses. They have some very high quality sunglasses. They have blue light blocking glasses. They have face shields. They have sports goggles. They have all kinds of really cool stuff. And you know what? As a way of saying thank you, they have a coupon for you guys. Just put in Earth Station 1 and you get 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair of glasses or anything, but your whole order. I had a friend of mine who just got a pair of Tofosi sunglasses with his prescription in it. So he doesn't have to keep on going, switching back and forth and, you know, such, or he could use it for driving, which is really cool because that's what his problem was because he, with it here being here in Georgia, it's been getting nicer and nicer. And, you know, with the sun being out more, he had to squint all the time because of his glasses. So Tofosi took care of him, folks, and they just took his prescription and boom, they got him a nice, really pair of, great pair of sunglasses, even progressives. It's pretty cool what they do, folks. Good. Check it out. TofosiOptics.com. And now we're here with new friend of the show, author Julian David Stone. Welcome, sir. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to Earth Station One. You have a brand new book coming out actually in May. It's called It's Alive. Can you want to tell everyone about it? Sure. It's a, it's a novel that tells the story of the three days leading up to the beginning of production on the 1931 classic Frankenstein. And uh, sort of unknown, everybody kind of knows that Boris Karloff played the monster, obviously. What people don't realize is that the story is a little more complicated. And based on actual evidence, there was a lot of back and forth with um, as to who was actually going to play the monster. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. And it kind of came down to between Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff to play the role. And at the oh, center, really? Yeah. And at the center of it is a really fascinating character who's kind of a, I, I think, kind of the unsung hero of the entire Universal Monsters canon, which is a guy named Junior Lemley. He was the son of Carl Lemley, who founded Universal Studios. And for Junior's 21st birthday, he put him in charge of the studio in 1929. And right, he was he was all of 21 years old, and right away, Junior wanted to make different kinds of movies. And thankfully for all of us, those included the horror movies. And you know, right off the bat, he starts he makes Dracula, and then he follows that up with Frankenstein. And that's sort of where my story picks up with what he went through deciding whether to continue building Bella Lugosi as a big star to become the new Lon Chaney, who had recently passed away, or to bring in somebody new, Boris Karloff. And that's the the jet that's basically my story tells what went on between those three characters in those three days leading up to the beginning of Frankenstein shooting. That's pretty awesome because I knew of the rivalry between Kor Korloff and Bella Lugosi. And it was, you know, interesting that they both, you know, were possibly going to be Frankenstein. And, right. And because and it's just it was just always interesting. And what drew you to this what you know what kind of you know 
background week do you have with us? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a funny journey just as a writer. You know, I I first I go back to you know the '70s and I was one of those kids who built the Aurora kits and you know and started as a as a fan as a child and then you know sort of drifted into other things, found girls, you know, all the different things, and then about 20 years ago, after sort of having a career as a screenwriter. I sort of started watching the films again and saw them as completely different things, particularly the very early ones and became really enamored of them. And my initial draw ironically was, I thought it was fascinating. And I was looking at the whole cycle in its totality that there were these three actors, Lon Chaney, Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff who at different points in their career all played Frankenstein in these films. And that was my initial thing. I thought, oh, maybe there's a story there. And then the deeper I dove into it, it kind of pulled me to the very origin of it. And then when I found Junior Lemley, that that just took everything, kind of completely overwhelmed everything I was thinking because just the notion of being 21 years old and being put in charge of a movie studio. And then the other thing is when I started to sort of started to extrapolate further, you know, Frankenstein is a father and son story on a level it's a creator oh sure of course it's a creator who's disappointed with his creation well the story of carl lemley senior and junior lemley his son is also a father-son story of a father kind of being disappointed with his creation because the father did not want to make these films these horror films and so you have that same thing where he puts his son in charge of the studio and all of a sudden right off the bat he starts doing things that he didn't really want him to do and I just found that that parallel was amazing. And then that's, you know, that just pulled me in, in you know, entirely in that direction in the development of the story. And of course, the back and forth discovering that, you know, there's actual evidence that this decision of who was going to star as the monster was not made until extremely late. You know, that that's actual historical fact. You know, I my thing is historical fiction based on real facts, but there are actual, you know, true items that make it very clear that they were still going back and forth right up to the end. Now, now there was a thing, um, I had heard stories about Lugosi uh, being uh, is insistent on doing his own makeup at first or trying his own stuff, and some of it was, like, laughable. Right. Like, yeah, it was right. pre-Jack Pierce, you know, uh, Karloff, uh, and, and I guess maybe, I don't really know who created the flat head. I mean, if you watch Gods and Monsters, you right. get the impression that Whale added into it, but that weird sort of anti-life sort of thing which is there are no squares in biology it's all this and so here's this flat head and it just looks so bizarre i mean uh my girlfriend and i watched it again tonight just before i came on the show and it really is a a piece of art deco his head is like a, a art deco piece but i heard that lugosi's makeup was laughably bad uh can do you know can you elaborate on that at all well one of the great pieces of lost cinema was you know there was a there was a screen test done with bella lugosi as the monster and there's you know there's sort of different accounts of what happened in that it definitely occurred and it's been lost but one of them was and uh, is an account from Junior Lemley. There's one person who interviewed Junior Lemley before he died, and that's where it sort of came up. Junior said that he laughed like a hyena when when he saw this test footage uh, of Bella Lugosi. And uh, so, you know, uh, I, like I said, it doesn't exist, but the descriptions have often said it looked a little bit like the golem, if you know that. Yeah, the, yeah, the golem, right? Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, so, yeah. yeah, so that sort of is part of the reason 
you know, there's different accounts of by, you know, Lugosi claimed he didn't want to play the monster, play the monster. Other accounts are that Whale came on board when he became James Whale became the director. He didn't want him. But there there, you know, there are different accounts of it, but it does seem to be consistent that except for possibly Bella Lugosi, nobody was particularly happy with the makeup that he did himself. Yeah, I got the impression there was either like a huge shaggy head of hair or almost like an <laughs> afro or something like that that he had, and everybody was just, oh, this is terrible. Let's move on. Yeah, that that's yeah. obviously the, the dream of all Universal Monster people and film historians if that footage ever showed up, but obviously it, it probably just, you know, turned to mush over the years. Now, was that still when, um, I think it was Robert Flory who ended up doing uh, Murders in the Remote. Wasn't he at that one point before Wales assigned yeah. to doing Frankenstein? Exactly. I believe this, the screen test was done under under him, yes. Yeah, Murders in the Room Orbit is a movie I absolutely love. I, yeah. I, I don't, yeah, there's some detractors to it, but I think it's a masterpiece of its own right. But yeah, no, I, I actually weave that movie into my story too because I talk about oh. what Lugosi is also, you know, Lugosi and Karloff and Junior Lemley are the three main characters. So yeah. I talk about what's going on with them in this period of time. And Lugosi had already, I believe, been assigned to Morgue as sort of a consolation prize after not you know frankenstein before he sort of looks like he got kind of pulled back into it at the last minute right right that is awesome and you know so how long have you been working on this project for well i i it's it's one of the longer ones for me i started in um uh i think i where it all sort of came together was about 2013 and then i got sort of sidetracked on other projects um, that sort of came along because I was working on it. Then I got, I, I sort of, long story short, I, I had a book published of rock and roll photos that I took in the 1980s. And that kind of happened out of nowhere. So that kind of took over my writing for a couple of years. And then I went back to this full bore. And now I'm really excited that it's coming out in just a couple months. Cool. That is very cool. And, you know, it sounds amazing with all the research you've done and such an iconic character in an iconic film. It's like, you know, that's probably a lot of pressure on you to, you know. <laughs> well, it, it, it's what, what attracted to me to writing it was there are so many wonderful books written on the Universal Monsters, but they're all nonfiction. I really wanted to be able to both as a person who's a fan and frankly for other fans recreate some of these scenes in a fun way like jack pierce is a character in my story i mean i love jack pierce and i it was so fun to be able to write him and it's fun to write bella lugosi he's a hero and boris karloff and junior lemley so you know i feel some pressure but it was it was just so fun you know it was just so freeing to not you know to be able to take the facts and then create the scenes you know what was it like for Boris to sit in that makeup chair with Jack Pierce. You know, you, you hear sort of the, the accounts in the nonfiction books, but it was fun to just talk about, you know, from different bits and pieces you can find of them to see what their relationship was like and, you know, just to tell that story in a fun way. Oh, it's very obvious you have a passion for it, which is, <laughs> which is awesome. And, you know, are you going to continue doing more stories with more monster stuff or what's next? No, I, I have a, I have another, I have two other novels that uh, I, I'm sort of have half written that I'm sort of, I want to see how this goes and I'll decide which one to, uh, which one will pull me in which direction. You never know, but it's not, it's not another universal monster story. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I'd be well, delighted. I know, I know there's a lot of, uh, I mean, we're out here on the East Coast, but I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of friends of mine, uh, monster kids, that are going to be gobbling that book up. So, uh, you yeah. know, we'll make, make sure that they know about it because these people are like locusts. It's like, uh, or those fire ants in uh, the naked jungle, just going to eat it up, <laughs> you know. So, um, with, um, did you, I was curious as to your thoughts on, the uh, state of them trying to re- keep rebooting the Universal Monsters with uh, yeah. limited success. I mean, uh, there was a book years ago. You probably read it, Jeff Rovin's Return of the Wolfman. Did you no. ever read that one? It's, no, I'm it's, not familiar with it. It's 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 a really expensive, like a paperback. You go up to Amazon, it's like 150 bucks now. But I bought it off the out of the regular bookstore. Uh, and um, it's one of those that really is a beautiful continuation of the Universal Monsters right after Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. It's got a PG-13 R-rated vibe, but he keeps the monsters as they are, and huh. even very briefly has Abbott and Costello in it, but only running away, like at the very beginning. It's like there's these two guys running away, and then the, it goes back into a serious Universal Monster movie. Oh, if you ever get a chance, I would I would tell you, I, I, I thought for sure you would have known about it, but no. if you get a chance, you definitely should read it. But it's a kind of a, and then they, you know, you read something like that, and then you see these films coming out, and you're like, you guys never get it right. It does, or or you know yeah it's 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 lightning in a bottle they never will you know it yeah. frankly you know some of it is the black and white you know you just yeah. it, it's a different thing and particularly i go back to the five that were started it you know when when junior lemley junior lemley ran the studio through 36 so he makes dracula frankenstein the mummy the invisible man and bride and he was there when they sort of started on um Dracula's daughter, but had lost the studio. Uh, uh-huh. The Lemleys lost the studio before that came out. And to me, it's that unique combination of you you have this sort of German expressionist feel, but then you have this wonderful sort of unusual sense of humor of Whale. And to me, it's that even though Whale didn't direct or all the early ones, but he did do right. three of the five. But to me, it's the combination, frankly, of James Whale and Carl Frund who shot Dracula and then directed The Mummy, they, to me, set the template that sort of continued on of the look of it. And they just, you can't do it in, you know, certain things are of their time. You know, you you can't do the Marx Brothers again. You know, they've shot so many times. And it's just certain things fit a certain time period. And, you know, it's nice that they're trying, but it, it just seems to be going in, 10 different directions you know they wanted to launch another cycle with it but obviously the first mummy with cruise completely flopped so that went nowhere and then they had the invisible uh the invisible man one which was made kind of differently i think it was the bloom house the sort of low budget and yep. would did extremely good but it wasn't an attempt to sort of connect yeah. it to a cycle it was just sort of a standalone and now you know they've yeah. talked about you hear endlessly something about you know doing the bride with angelina jolie but then you know three years pass and you never hear another word about it, you know? Yeah. As a matter of fact, it was, um, oh gosh, the guy that, uh, directed, uh, uh, gods and monsters 
was okay. supposed to, I believe, was supposed to direct it. Uh, he got had the big success, I guess, with what Beauty and the Beast when they did the remake mm-hmm. of the Disney cartoon into live action. But it just seems like it just it just keeps you hear it and you hear it and you hear yeah. it. After a while, it's like, yeah, I'm from Missouri, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, I don't know if I would. I, I don't even know if I would want to see it. I don't even know. And I'm not. I'm not going to be one of those naysayers. It, it is going to stink. Some you know people will surprise you yeah. sometimes, and I love being proved wrong. But I think the chances of getting something any anything near the original Bride of Frankenstein that's going to be a tough chore. Oh, you, you, you know, where are you going to find another Karloff? You know, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, you know, sort of a lot of it again goes back to me to the original Frankenstein and we sort of touched on it. The performance that Karloff gives, particularly in, well, in both of them it yes. is just incredible. I mean, you just having, you know, written this novel and doing a deep dive into his career and watching all this stuff. I don't see Boris Karloff, the actor in there. He just becomes something else as the monster you know he's a wonderful actor and i love him and everything else but it just is he just completely disappears into that role every time i watch it 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 just blows me away his performance yeah there was never anybody that got got close to it uh none of the i mean i i I love the visual look of like let's say glenn strange Mm -hmm. uh um i'm even i even i'll admit i do like you know, although I know it's been chopped up and messed up with was uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman when you are watching Lugosi being what they think is a bad actor. But in reality, it was footage cut out of him where they said that he's blind. Right. And and so you're watching him stumble around. You go, boy, he stinks. No, he doesn't stink. He's doing the blind guy perfectly. But we don't know that, you know, right. only through his film history. Uh, and then all the other Frankensteins down the road after that, you don't really it's sort of like just a. a you know, a miasma of like, yeah, 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 okay. You know, I mean, the only other one I really get any emotion out of is Michael Sarazen's from Frankenstein, the true story, which is a, a big favorite of mine, but the rest of them are sort of in. Yeah, no, the, the, that's the, the 74 TV movie. Um, yes. You know, that's terrific because it's a, what, what they did was smart is they just didn't try to remake the 1931 one. They just went back yeah. to the original text and just said, we're going to tell it as sort of this Elizabethan drama you know, yeah. that, that it originally was. And it's, yeah, it's wonderful. It's because uh, I'm sure as a lot of the, the fans of Frankenstein know that in the books or in the book, in the Mary Shelley book, it's the opposite of the, the first Frankenstein movie. The monster talks and talks and talks. He has He's educated. Page, he gets himself yeah. educated. He yeah. Page after page after page of, of monologues. It's the opposite of, uh, of what they did in the original. Yeah. I talked to my son tonight and I, and, and he said, we're reading Frankenstein in school. And I'm like, uh, it's different from yeah. pretty much everything. I mean, a little bit close to the Kenneth Branagh, but then the Kenneth Branagh goes off the rails too. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's its own it's its own beast. I personally really love the book, but it's just different from the rest. And it's so old. I mean, it's like two hundred years old now. Yeah, I mean, it it's it is you know. It was tonight when we were watching Frankenstein. I said the guys are you know they they did an interesting thing since it was in the old country. It was you know, uh, mountains and castles and beautiful villages and all that stuff. But you can see the guys wearing Stetsons. In other words, it was still like 1920s, 1930s Europe mixed in with the old. It was an interesting balance, sort of like the Flash TV show, the way if things were old and things were new back in the old seven, uh, 80, 90s Flash television show. They mixed it up. But, yeah, I mean, it's an old, it's a very old story. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's it, they took a really big chance to make the monster, especially for the 1931 movie, away from what the book was. Mm-hmm. You know, they made it him more, you know, type thing. Yeah. And, you know, compared to what you had in the book where he was just a man full of hate for you know, his creator. Yeah. And, and it was, it was just, it was just really interesting to see. And it was more that stuck from that point on for quite some the, time. In the, in the film, it's it, the really, the really rottenest person in the whole thing is Fritz yeah. uh, play, played yeah. by Dwight Fry. He's a scumbag. I mean, he's torturing him. No wonder the monster gets hostile. He's torturing him, torturing him with fire and beating him with a whip and right. just pure hatred. And, you know, I mean, I actually kind of root for the monster when they kick open the door and there's Fritz strung up with the yeah. whip that he was beat with. It's like, oh, well, pal, you know, you kind of deserved it. You got what you deserved, mister. Yeah. Well, that, that yeah. Was, you know, that is one of the unique things about particularly the, the, first two Frankensteins is the sympathy that you have for the monster. You know, most monster films are there's a bad monster and they hunt them down and kill them. And it's quite different, particularly in the, you know, with Frankenstein where there's lots of sympathy, you know, for the character because the character is sort of innocent. He didn't ask to come into the world, you know, and and he's trying to figure things out too. He's trying to understand what's going on around him. Mm -hmm. You even get some sympathy with him in Son of Frankenstein where Igor gets killed. It's, you know, which, you know, he had to be killed. But when he, I love the bizarre, weird way that Karloff reaches down, looks at the blood on his hand, and then does this weird sort of half scream where like it's cut off. And I thought, he still got it. I know he's not as big a presence in the yeah. third film, and I, I still love that movie tremendously. But a lot of other people get to share in the glory. Mm-hmm. But uh, in 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 that one, I mean, it's still a great performance for him. But I think that's about the time he goes. I'm out of here. I'm done. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. It, it doesn't have as strong a director as James Whale. No, doing it, you know, and it kind of shows. And it play, it's like a rock and roll album of the Frankenstein movies for me. Like it goes <laughs> good with Sergeant Pepper or something like that. It's wow! Just, oh wow! You had to go there, Mark. Well, <laughs> Julian, you seem like you really know about, a lot about Frankenstein, but let's find out what you're really passionate about. It's time to give you a shot at the geek seat. You ready to take a chance? Sounds great. You're in trouble now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mark still has the the whip marks from the it. Whip, last yeah. Fritz. That's, exactly. That was from Fritz. <laughs> exactly. All right, Julian, what was your favorite geek out moment? Favorite geek out moment. Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, uh, yeah. huh. uh, can you give me the parameters? Just anything. Where Any, anything you want. Okay, it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell like you. I, like I told you before the show, oh, it could be on anything. Any topic goes. Um, I will tell you the moment that I decided I was going to be in the film business. It was 1977, sitting in the theater watching Star Wars, and I can tell you the exact moment. It's after, the, it's after the crawl when the ship comes over your head and you feel that collect, you know, you're in an audience that has never seen this film before. You know, you've had to wait four freaking hours, you know, to, to, to in line to get in to see it. And that ship comes over your head and it comes halfway through and you see the docking bay, and then the rest of the ship keeps going and the entire audience kind of laughs at the size of the ship. You know, they've never seen anything like it. And that is the that is my single greatest geek moment and the moment that I decided I was going to be in the film business. Oh, I totally could understand that. Yeah. It, it, that was such a moment of yeah. awe. And just hearing the audience sort of collectively laugh at the wonderful 
joke of like, oh, the ship's done. Oh, no, there's more. You know, it it's keeps going. Yeah. And going. Yeah. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, Tom Cruise oh. is the mummy. <laughs> no coaching, Mr. Mark. Uh, this, this one's going to be a little linked going back to Star Wars, but not. Uh, and, and this may be heretic, but I will say it. It was the movie E.T. Everybody was going crazy for it. And maybe you guys love it. I, I just tried so hard something. And I love Spielberg. I just I, I went to see it three times and it was only four years after Star Wars. And I don't know why my moments are all sort of back then. But that, you know, I, I just never got the movie. And I just was like, everybody is going crazy. All my friends are losing it. I'm like, what am I missing? So that, that might be in a lot of ways the, the biggest disappointment because to this day, it's fine. I, I just like I lose it over Close Encounters. Like that's the movie. Oh sure. You know that I that I can watch over and over again, and I don't. And and still people talk about ET. So again, kind of trapped back in the my teenage years. But those are the two that kind of come to mind. It's funny. I watched ET when it was first came out of the theaters as a kid, and I walked out of there like going, "What's such a big deal?" And people were crying yeah. and loving it. And it was like what is the deal with this? And I actually hadn't seen it after that until we reviewed it back again on the show for it's like 30th anniversary or something like that. How, how did you feel seeing it again? Did it, did it work? Didn't, didn't improve. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. didn't improve. But for me, it was because of Raiders that I didn't, when I saw E.T., I mean, Raiders to me is a super yeah. masterpiece. And it was like, when I saw E.T., I'm going, this is a good movie. It's a good, happy, it's almost like a, a souped-up Disney feel-good movie. But, you know, I've seen it probably five to ten times, and it's a good movie. But I just, it's not the over-the-top thing. Mm-mm. And it's like, people were like, this is the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. And it was like, yeah. okay, uh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. What geeks you out the most? What geeks me out the most? If currently, I mean, obviously I have a big infatuation with the Universal Monsters, but another thing that I'm, which is also part of the next novel that I'm working on, um, I'm a huge fan of the Apollo program, of the space program. The last couple of years I've been, I've been in pretty deep with that uh, part of it research for the novel I'm working on, but that still to this day is, you know, I, 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 I don't think people quite understand the chutzpah of the whole experience and just the, you know, the Apollo program, the notion of saying in 1961, we're going to land somebody on the moon and eight years later, they do it. You know, they just rolled out a rocket, which is still trying to get us back to what we did 50 years ago. And that one, you know, this is the Artemis they did the other day. That one's eight years behind schedule, you know, and oh, the, fact know. That the Apollo program did it and worked and it's, it's kind of amazing. So that's, that I've been I've been pretty deep in that of recent. Oh, I've been totally well, geeking about all the different SpaceX launches and yeah. you know waiting for the big booster to finally take off and you know to for them to test it and it's just like come on let's do it let's do it yeah. and you know but you know, it's been interesting too because we picked up Apple TV and I don't know if you've been watching for all mankind. Yeah, I'm aware of the show. Yeah. Oh, it is beautiful. It's like they took the right stuff and then continued it. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Definitely recommend that for anyone out there. What turns your geek off? (laughs) What turns my geek off? Uh, You know, there's there's the if if we're gonna like, I don't get into fantasy. 
I enjoyed Game of Thrones, but I, I'm not a big fantasy guy. So that's the one sort of part of the geek world that I don't quite get into, like wizards and stuff like that. So that would be the, you know, nothing specific, but that's kind of the area that I'm not as interested. In. I'm more science fiction than I am fantasy. Mm -hmm. That's cool. No, everyone has their thing. Yeah. And, you know, we don't judge here. We, that's the same way I am, too. It's somehow a, a spell and mysticism and stuff doesn't do it as well. I'm not saying all the time. There are exceptions to the rule, like you yeah. said, Game of Thrones. Yeah. But for the most part, I am more of a science fiction or horror guy than I am a, you know, wizards and elves kind of thing. I think that's pretty awesome because I was the same way. It's like I tried getting into D&D &D when I was a kid, but it was just <laughs> – it just – didn't work it just yeah. never caught and then you know so i became more of a sci-fi geek and it just went from there so it's pretty cool what fictional character would you like to meet the most what fictional character yeah that's an interesting one we frankenstein. try <laughs> frankenstein would definitely be interesting fritz would be interesting <laughs> as you said yeah yeah, he, yeah there's your buddy yeah <laughs> or, or igor from uh, son of frankenstein yeah, really? Yeah, boy. What fictional character did I always want to meet? Huh. I think Frankenstein's a pretty good one. Yeah, that would be an interesting... The doctor or the monster? I think the monster. I think it would be interesting to encounter the monster. Be nice <laughs> yeah. to him, though. Be real nice. Say hello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bring, him, bring him a flower or something. Pretend you like know. you're blind for a little while, and then yeah. just kind of slowly work him into... <laughs> but don't be like, you know... The character in Young Frankenstein who was It'll blind. be Gene yeah. Hackman <laughs> lighting his thumb. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the least? Oh, uh, probably Fritz. No, uh, <laughs> uh, would I like to Dra meet Dracula? Yeah, Dracula would not be fun uh, to meet. Um, uh, Renfield would probably not. Not the crazy Renfield would not be a good one to meet. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I agree with that completely. Totally. Not. And there's been some really amazing iterations of him in the movies. Yeah. yeah. So that is including Artie Johnson. Yes. Yeah. That's a very fun movie. Oh, yeah. In the 70s. Very, very, oh, yeah. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? I'll tell you. Uh, it, it's probably from the movie The Stunt Man. No, oh, okay. if you can remember, he said. Sure. And if you remember, it's about a egomaniacal director. So, as a twenty-year-old person who wanted to be an egomaniacal director, um, when, when he says the line, "If God could do the tricks we could, he'd be a happy man." <laughs> that's a line that I always loved. <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. I definitely love that. What is your ideal geek occupation? Ideal geek occupation. I, you know, I have to say that this may sound a little egotistical, but kind of what I do, I get to, you know, I just get to write whatever I want. You know, the, as I mentioned that I, or it might've been before we, we started uh, taping, I had a career as a screenwriter and the transition to writing novels has been so freeing because I can, I can write a book about the three days leading up to the production of Frankenstein and not worry about, you know, is my agent going to be able to sell this? Is it 120 pages? You can go anywhere that the story goes. So I, I, and here's the best part too. It doesn't require any money or anybody else. I can just sit here and imagine it. 
You know, that, that's one of the beauties about being a writer. It's, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's the easiest way into the film business because it costs nothing. It's open to anybody and you just can go where your imagination goes. And, that's great. and you know, so th- I that's would say that's, that would be my answer. That is awesome. That is I, I knew awesome. you were going to say that. <laughs> I swear to God, I knew you were going to say that. I mean, it was like the guy's writing books. He's, you know, he's, uh, you know, successfully writing books and, and, and letting stuff spill out of his brain. Why wouldn't you be happy? Yeah, it, you know? it, it, it is interesting because I, I, I had during my years as a screenwriter, I, I, I sort of broke in when I wrote what was my passion. And then you sort of get seduced by the money and all that stuff. And suddenly you find yourself working on stuff that isn't necessarily that. So looking back, it's exactly that, that I'm sort of back to like, I can just write whatever I want, you know? And and of course makes total sense. I'm it's something I'm passionate about. So what geek occupation would you not like to do? (laughs) Screenwriter. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Boy, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really think of anything in the geek world that's that terrible. I think everybody finds their own way into it. You know, that's, that's kind of what's so freeing about it. You know, um, I, uh, I didn't start going, you know, I sort of think of Comic-Con as the center of the geek world. And I didn't go for the first time until 2004. And I had no idea, like, I thought it was a comic book convention. And when you go to that thing and see the insane variety, you just see this wonderful, everybody has their different connection to this thing that's become known as the geek world. And, and that was really beautiful that I, I didn't know that. I thought it was just comic books, which I like, but I didn't realize that it was just such a great range of people and stuff, pinup work and everything you can imagine. So I, I don't really think of anything as really being terrible in that world. You know, everybody finds their piece of it that they, that they love, you know? No, totally makes sense with me. Yeah. All right, Julian, you ready for your final question in the geek seat? Okay, I'm ready. All right, Julian, what is your ultimate geek fantasy? What is my ultimate geek fantasy? Uh, (laughs) I guess right now, if I'm being honest, I would love to see my book turned into a movie only so that I can visit the set and see them recreate Jack Pierce's, uh, you know, space where he created the monster and the sets and stuff. That, that, I'll be honest, that's kind of my fantasy right now, just to see if it was, you know, obviously I'd love it to be made into a movie for various reasons, but the notion of somebody recreating these sets and, you know, just this period is, is so exciting to me. I would love that more than anything, to just walk back into that world. That would be amazing nice. to see. I would love to see that, actually. Well, Julian, I am very happy to tell you that you've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I feel honored. You have officially become one of a handful of people who made it through and still smiling, which is even better. That is really cool. All right. So when is the book coming out? Yeah, it comes out on May 17th. Um, you can pre-order it now at Amazon if you want to. Uh, read more about it you can go to juliandavidstone.com where you can actually read the first 30 or so pages i have that available on my website and uh yeah i hope people will check it out i think it's a really fun story of uh a fun time and also just you know all around these movies that we all love as uh, monster kids that is awesome man nice I appreciate you just joining us tonight. We are so looking forward to reading this book and definitely we'd love to have you back on the show sometime. Oh, 
anytime. I would love to talk. It's been really fun talking to you. We can talk about Mr. Garcia over your shoulder there. I can, I can tell you all kinds of stories there too. So lot, lots know, of other good geek stuff. I think we might have you back for when we do our Grateful Dead retrospective. Oh, I would love that. I can tell you a lot of stories. <laughs> that would be awesome. You know, or, as my friend said, if you went, ever went to a Grateful Dead show, you have stories, but you just don't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> a lot are lost. A lot I remember, you know, all of it. So it was, uh, it was a oh, fun yeah. That is awesome. Thank you again. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. And we are going to be talking all about what's going on in the Marvel Universe. Ashley Pauls with this week's box office buzz. We've got a couple new movies to talk about that are coming out in theaters over the next several weeks. The first new movie that I want to talk a little bit about is The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Sandra Bullock plays an author who writes romance adventure novels, and Channing Tatum is the cover model for these books. Sandra Bullock gets kidnapped, and then Channing Tatum's character decides, well, if he portrays a hero on these book covers, he can go rescue her. And of course, hijinks ensue. This looks like this could be an old-fashioned, fun, uh, adventure, romantic comedy. And even though it's not a super fresh concept, like I feel like I've seen movies that are kind of similar to this, I still think it'll be a fun time at the movies. Also coming out soon on April the 1st is the superhero movie Morbius. I feel like I've talked about this in my box office buzz preview before simply because its date has been moved literally so many times due to the pandemic but I think it's actually officially coming out now. I will say that I'm not not looking forward to Morbius. I'm not overly excited about it partially because the trailers didn't necessarily make me go wow I must see this but they didn't turn me off of the concept either. We're coming off of two really great superhero movies very different ones of course as the Batman and Spider-Man No Way Home. And so I want to give this one a fair chance to, even though I don't know that it'll be as good as those other two. And that's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment content, be sure to check out my blog, Box Office Buzz, on the ESO Podcast website. Modern Musicology is a podcast covering topics on rock and pop, ranging mostly from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, with occasional excursions into the 60s and aughts even occasionally the 2010s. Anything is fair game. Classic rock, R&B, folk, punk, prog, rap, metal, and way more. With two Americans, one Brit, a ton of fun, and a healthy dose of cynicism. Hey everybody, welcome to the Marvel MCU panel. What's next? Welcome, welcome. My name is Mike Faber. I am the host of the Earth Station One podcast, a podcast that is very irrelevant and we talk about all things geek. 
Uh, to my left is Michael Faulkner. Hi, uh, I am a writer and podcaster for right here in the Atlanta area. I run a website called Creative Criticality where I talk about all things pop culture, including uh, MCU, Doctor Who, you name it, I've probably, probably blabbed about it for a while. And to his left. Howdy. Uh, my name is Mike Gordon. I am a writer and uh, independent publisher of comics and uh, also a co-host on the Earth Station One podcast as well as many other podcasts, it feels like. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so, as you can tell, none of us work for Marvel, so we can say whatever we want. <laughs> uh, none of us work for Disney. So um, we definitely can say what we want. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but we are all Marvel MCU enthusiasts. Enthusiasts? Is that right? That's yes. Right. Yeah. That's so, good word. Not experts. Enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. Right. So We know a lot of stuff, but we never claim to know it all. So it's, it's a good thing. But... Uh, and, it, and yes, all three of us are named Mike, so you just have to yell, hey, Mike. <laughs> so one of us will answer. Um, the way we do our panels is we get you guys involved. So we want you guys to ask questions and comment and stuff. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff because with all things MCU, there is so much to cover. It almost is like daily. There's new MCU news. And... You know, and it's just coming and coming and coming. We have three more movies to come this year for MC for the MCU. We have what four shows? Yeah, at least four shows mm-hmm. on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know, when this is not including the Sony movies that you know that are coming our way too, because if you do that, you have at least two more movies coming our way. Yeah. So that's five movies. So. This is a ton of material, folks. And we probably will be spoiling everything that's come out um, before today. Has everyone seen Hawkeye? So I think Hawkeye is technically the last MCU-related thing that's been released. So, um, so yeah, if you don't like spoilers for anything that's come before in the last, what, 10, 15 years? Yeah. Um, yeah. You have, you have like 13 years worth of material on this cover. So it started with Iron Man. You know, how many people... No, just kidding. Um, the cool thing with the MCU is it's ever-evolving. It's growing. And now as Disney eats all these other <laughs> projects and studios, they get the, the rights back to, um, to the pro- their properties. And the thing is, years ago, probably what about almost 20 years ago now, Marvel almost went bankrupt. And they sold the movie rights to a lot of their characters. To everyone. To everyone. <laughs> Anyone who wanted them. Exactly. Anyone who wanted. Any way to get any kind of money. And so that's why a certain studio did X-Men. That's why another studio did F- the Fantastic Four. That's why another studio did tried to do Spider-Man and such. And so... That's why, and then Marvel finally got their act together, and they had a division to do TV and a division to do movies. And now they're all coming under one roof because Disney has the power to be able to absorb all these other products and everything. So the only one out there really that doesn't, hasn't come under the Disney web, but they do have an agreement, is Sony. Right. And so, and Sony owns still a lot of the rights to the Spider-Man universe. Right, that's their main thing. Yeah. Did Marvel ever get Namor back? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because spoilers, um, rumor is going around that he is the big bad in Wakanda Forever. Because that's why they brought up um, 
they've brought up Atlantis already in past movies, mm-hmm. and they've also, um, and I think it was in it was an Endgame. Endgame, they brought up you know, you know disturbances off the coast of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so but, in addition to spoiling anything uh, that's come before, we will also be speculating rumors and possible potential spoilers for anything to come. Right. So here's the order for movies coming out. So the next one is actually for Marvel Studios itself is we have Doctor Strange in May mm-hmm. coming out. Um, but you also have before that you have uh, at the beginning of April you have Morbius, right. the Living Vampire. So which has been delayed and delayed and delayed. And then after that you have Thor: Love and Thunder mm-hmm. coming in July. And then I think it's is it November or October for uh, Wakanda Forever? November. November. Yeah. But also in October we have uh, Into the Spider Verse two part one. So you have the animated coming also. So you do have a lot movie wise coming. TV show wise we have at the end of this month what two a week and a half from now I think yeah we have Moon Knight coming our way. Um, after Moon Knight, we have we just got the trailer for Ms. Marvel. Yep, it's coming in June. In June, after Ms. Marvel, we have She-Hulk coming, which hasn't been given a definitive date yet. They said mid-year. Mid-year, so sometime probably summertime, or they probably I'd say August because they want to give time between Ms. Marvel and then She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And because what Disney is doing is they're kind of going a Star Wars show, a Marvel show, a Star Wars show, a Marvel show. Mm -hmm. And so then at the end of the year, we're going to get Secret Invasion coming. So we do have a lot of Marvel ahead of us. It should be a lot of interesting stuff. And then on top of it, now Marvel's acquired, or I should say Disney has acquired the rights to the... Netflix Marvel shows, mm-hmm. including though Agents of Shield. So you have now you have Daredevil, you have Iron Fist, you have Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. And they are all available on Disney Plus right now. <laughs> exactly, and it's also yeah. Uh, you also doing a sign on to Disney Plus get, the other day, and I had to do my. Uh, you have to, you have to put in your eight like age, age verification. Age verification. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> And then you also have uh, the Defenders, also. Yeah, all available. All available. So you have that coming. And the Punisher, too. And is the yeah. Punisher on there, too? Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yeah, all yeah. the Netflix series. On Disney, you have the Punisher? The Punisher, yeah. That's why you have to put in an age. <laughs> you have to, you can automatically just... updated my, my settings to mature audiences. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I guess they know what I like. <laughs> it's like Disney Plus. Uh, my wife and I are the only ones that use this. Yes, TVMA, please. <laughs> So, so yeah, but it, it's pretty awesome that we're getting all that. And you it's cool because you got Kingpin in Hawkeye. He knew this was coming, you know, so that's like... And then you got uh, Matt Murdock in the Spider-Man movie. And the same week mm-hmm. they made their, their debut. Their, the, it was insane it was, to me it was awesome how, that, how that was planned out. Like, I don't think it was planned, the original plan. But it's just so weird that Daredevil and his arch nemesis made their debut in the MCU in different projects in the same week. It's Not even together. Yeah, it's, it's echoes of, well, it was before TV and film split of, it's all connected. <laughs> yeah. 
And so it's, it's going to be neat to see because they pulled them all into the same universe now. Unless, you know, they're going to claim that the, the Netflix series don't count or something. It's just... I think it's probably an alternate universe. It's like S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of an alternate universe. Well, the whole universe thing with the MCU is really, like, fluid right now. Yeah. Between the events of what happened in Loki and in WandaVision and in Spider-Man. And Doctor Strange about to break the and whole thing down, apart. Yeah, down, and Doctor Strange coming up. Like, the, we don't know what the MCU is even going to look like uh, by the end of the year because it's all so, like, anything could happen. Yeah. There's so many things that are, like, like cracking through uh, different multiverses. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I geeked out when I recognized Patrick Stewart's voice in the Doctor Strange yes. trailer. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> I was like, and so that's possibly how we're going to get the X-Men involved. And possibly how we're going to get the Illuminati, which means yeah. that we may even see Namor before Black Panther. If, he, if they're doing the Illuminati in... Uh, Doctor Strange. If they're doing that version of it, too. Because you also had Reed Richards and you also had Black Bolt. Yep. And we, we don't speak of the uh, Inhumans and... But, 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 <laughs> also but, the, guy, but the guy yeah. who played Black, Black Bolt in that is rumored to be in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that does count. Maybe. <laughs> and if they, if they introduce Reed Richards into Doctor Strange as part of the Illuminati, there's your soft start for the Fantastic Four, which is a confirmed film, just way down the line. Yeah. It's going to be real interesting to see where they go with it and how they bring it in. And I'm very, it's going to be fun because Doctor Strange looks just crazy as hell, you know, with what they're going to be doing. And, you know, you even get characters from What If. You know, you're getting the Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange version from that cartoon. And it's pretty damn amazing, you know, that they're even including the cartoon series. There had been rumor even that you might be seeing a Captain Carter in this movie. So I, I understand that when, especially when they do a TV series or even a movie, that Kevin Feige and, and group, they stand, they have a room and they have a, a board with all these, you know, uh, pin cushions and everything and, and pictures of characters that they're interplaying and they're going to weave into certain things. I can only imagine with, you know, with now the X-Men and Fantastic Four and everything, they would need a room the size of this, uh, this hall downstairs in order to coordinate that kind of... But that's what they're left with. Well, Can you imagine the whiteboard session that they're doing? <laughs> well, that's the success. That's the reason for the success of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe under Kevin Feige. When he when he came on with with Disney, you know, they said, "Okay, we want to do something like this. Let's let's just do." And they wanted the safe option. He he brought in a stack of comic books and said, "No, <laughs> this is what they want. This is Marvel. Do this." And they gave him the free reign to do whatever he wanted to to make this thing a success, which was unheard of in Hollywood. <laughs> Yeah, and everybody's trying to repeat it, and yeah. they, a lot of them are falling on their faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. right, exactly. And they don't have the support. Like, I mean, you know, it's one thing to say that, but then to actually have a studio, like, be supportive of you doing that. And, and as you continue, and once things get popular, to, uh, to not rein them in um, is very difficult. So... Um, 
that's why we see a lot of other franchises just sort of struggle. But I mean, because of the success of Marvel, because Marvel and Disney have been able to do something that no one in the history of media has ever been able to do, everybody's trying to repeat it, and there's no such thing now as a standalone movie. There's no such thing as a movie series. It's all just franchises now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why you have, like, you know, as I said before in another panel, you have, like, John Wick. And, like, John Wick has a bunch of movies, and he's got a TV series coming out, and he's got prequel this, prequel that. Like, every, every friend, everything has to have a franchise now. And it's interesting, too, because everyone's always been predicting... When is Marvel going to have its first mistake, or when it's is it not is not going to be successful? And everything, there are many people who believe that that's already happened. Yeah, <laughs> there's there are some people who believe it, but when they like, if you look at Eternals, it still made a ton of money and it got critically acclaimed. You know, some people don't like it. There's others who loved it. You know, and it's it's very de- decisive. But they have not had a flop. That's where the thing is. You know, they took chances. They had Shang-Chi. You know, they had the Eternals. They're coming out with Ms. Marvel. They're coming out with Moon Knight. These are not very well-known characters like, you know, Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America. And so far, Marvel has had the lucky stick. And... Well, they've been consistent. I mean, they're consistent in quality, and they're and that's I think the the, the thing that's really helped them. Um, and uh, and yeah, as the universe gets bigger and bigger, it's going to get more and more uh, diverse in terms of stories, characters, whatnot. So I think uh, there's going to be times when, look, I mean, I grew up reading Marvel comics. I didn't read every Marvel comic. There were some Marvel comics I really loved and some Marvel comics I didn't really like. And I think now we're going to see that as far as the TV shows and the movies. There's going to be some that people love, and there's going to be some that not everybody loves. And I think they learned a lesson from the, the debacles on the TV side when they had you know, two separate managements right. running things. You know, where the TV side was like, let me just throw anything I can at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, Inhumans, which should have been a movie, is now a nine-episode miniseries, which I didn't even finish. <laughs> you know, I didn't even start. Right. <laughs> was, I think they've learned their lesson of, like, okay, we can't just throw everything out there. we got we got to plan a little bit more. Yeah. It was interesting because with Inhumans, they did, they did the first two episodes as a movie premiere type thing. Yeah. They showed it at the theaters. When I went to go see the movie, the premiere, the movie theater wasn't even half full and everything. That said something right there that, oh, maybe they made a mistake here yeah. and everything. And they kind of did in a lot of ways. But to be fair, those were not under Kevin Feige. Right. No, exactly. So, and that's your, like you said, even the Netflix series were not under Kevin Feige. And those were even moderately successful, like... Not as, as successful as the movies, but they were certainly up there. Just as a, a Jan and Gage, like, how many people here have seen, like, everything Marvel's done? Okay. Yeah, okay. Even the TV shows? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's so, cool. So, a lot, of people have, so a, a lot of people already are picking and choosing. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting. How many people have seen every movie? Okay, that's a big deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Including the Sony ones? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> So that's see. So yeah, they're getting a lot more. So it's the it's the TV series that some people are probably yeah. just bowing out. Of. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting too. Well, they took chances because a lot of the TV shows that they did, especially the Netflix ones, 
were a lot more gritty and down to earth, <laughs> you know, type characters. They were like the the Street Fighter type characters, like Daredevil, and or Luke Cage, and even Jessica Jones and Punisher. Yeah, Iron Fist. I'm leaving at, but, <laughs> but it's just it's just interesting that you know they took a chance on it and moderately successful because they were all all their stories were building towards the defenders and which was kind of cool to see a team up like that other than the avengers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and of course when you know they hadn't seen in uh endgame when you saw all these heroes showing up and everything you know it was like i was almost oh please let daredevil be there let you know luke cage be there and everything it would have been kind of cool. I was surprised they weren't because they went to the effort of pulling in Jarvis from Agent Carter. Yes. But they didn't pull in the rest of the Netflix, you know, group, you know, mm-hmm. or, or the rest of the, the TV side group, rather. True. Very, very just, true. Just one specific character from Agent Carter. Do you guys have any questions about the MCU or anything or thoughts? I kind of felt that way about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, for Endgame. Mm-hmm. It was like, how awesome would it have been, especially... That, that whole girl power scene where you had all the female superheroes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, to see Quake or to see Melinda May in with all of those characters, I mm-hmm. think that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Or bring in uh, Agent Coulson and everyone would be like, you're alive? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, That's why we formed the Avengers. Because now, of now I want to see May versus Thanos. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I think that would be pretty awesome. So, so I guess my question is, for so long they have said that, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was not necessarily canon to the bigger MCU universe. Like, they pulled in elements from the MCU, but they didn't really... They didn't really count Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as being part of that world. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering now, since they're pulling all of that into Disney Plus and putting it with the rest of the shows, are they now going to like backtrack, or is that going to be part of this broken universe? It's a variant. <laughs> well, uh, I think yeah, it I mean, is, too. They uh, on, on Disney Plus itself, when you select the Marvel icon, there's, like, uh, MCU, and then there's, like, what do they call it? It's, like, additional, like... Yeah outside unit or like legend or whatever like so there's a category of like marvel stuff that they have that's not really considered mcu and i do believe that agents of shield is in that category so uh they don't really i think they they are free to pull from it um but um generally speaking they don't look at it as and i think if you were friend if you were watching agents of shield through the end i mean i think they determined uh, i think they had a storyline in the what the second to last season where they split off into their own reality mm-hmm. so that they were they were doing their own thing yeah and then they were running parallel for so long because they had the the for the dark world you know right. tie in and then obviously the winter soldier thing was a huge shakeup uh, and they even had at one point you know like there's a disturbance in new york and they showed the spaceships from thanos Coming in on the TV, you're like, "Oh, here comes a snack." Oh, nope, God, and then nothing. <laughs> I was waiting for that whole epi- episode. I kept waiting for when are they going to start? Like, some of the agents start to disappear. Yeah. Coulson just vanishes. Yeah, yeah. again. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, catch up, Ray. Yeah, Coulson is so the Kenny of the show. You know, it just didn't happen. Yeah, and I was just like, "What?" Yeah, but yeah, so probably I'd say they're alternate universe yeah. type thing. The same way 
Morbius and Venom are obviously from an alternate Earth. The rumor going around right now that's Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man's planet. Yeah. Because the Oscorp that's in the trailers is the same Oscorp from Andrew Garfield's universe. They haven't definitively said it yet, but it's the same building. But obviously the Vulture... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's in, the big thing. It was in the MCU. He's yeah. in that universe. See, yeah. yeah, that was going to be my question, too, because when I saw the, the trailers, I was like, but, okay. but Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Keaton. That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Always. But remember, he is Batman. <laughs> and this is why I love what Marvel does, because they start out with, you know, like your typical Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, you know, kind of, okay, here's all the, the faces you know. Okay, now you're comfortable with this. Let's try, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's try adding magic to it with Doctor Strange. They very slowly start adding pieces in. Okay, let's go cosmic now. Okay, you like that. Well, let's just break the multiverse and see what you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it does seem like that's the general theme. I mean, when the MCU was going through its first few phases, first they got together for the Avengers, and then the Avengers happened, and now obviously they introduced Thanos. Mm-hmm. And everything led up to, all roads led to Thanos. I think everything that was in the MCU at that point led to Thanos, mm-hmm. led to Infinity War, led to Endgame. Since post-Endgame, it's really like unclear as to how if they're going to be unified again and how soon and what they're leading towards. Uh, obviously, we've got this uh, multiverse craziness happening, mm-hmm. but exactly how what's, how that's going to end up or if it's going to be resolved, we don't know. And it's fascinating because they are, they're obviously t- team building uh, all over the place. You know, like there's the, what, the Thunderbolts kind of analog. There's some sort of Avengers still going on. Then there's also a Young Avengers. And young Avengers. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there was something out that Kevin Feige might have said that he was like, we're just not going to have another Avengers named film. Like, we're not going to say it's I don't Avengers think, again. I don't even think right now, yeah. currently, there is an Avengers team. Right, there isn't. So, I, you know, there's no Avengers. So how what 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 does that look like? Are they going, yeah, well, how does that kind of, are we going to get another Avengers ever? Or you might get another Avengers team, but it could be a Dark Avengers. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, there's so many different things that they could be going for. And that's kind of cool that, you know, you're guessing and trying to figure it out. Because you have... With Secret Evasion, it's all about the scrolls. And, you know, the shape changers taking people's places and everything. And they're not the so good guys. So be prepared. With Secret Invasion, if, anybody knows, if anybody's familiar with that storyline in the comics, again, like he said, it's shape changers, scrolls. The big, when the comics, when that happened, it was revealed that some characters that we knew and loved were actually not those characters. They were scrolls. So be prepared. When that series premieres, there's going to be some people that some characters that we're familiar with that are not going to be who we think they are. And they, they tested the waters with Nick Fury and Maria Hill at the end of they did second absolutely they did right you know because and you're also going to find out characters that maybe were killed off that maybe they were scrolls and you, they might be still alive because oh. what they did they kept the char- some of them in the comic book. They kept them all in suspended animation while they copied them and everything. So you had, like in the comic, you had Mockingbird, who had no relation with Hawkeye and everything, but Hawkeye was actually married to a scroll (laughs) (laughs) and everything. So it's different, you know, there's all these different things it could be. And that gets all ties then into Captain Marvel, and we're going to get the movie The Marvels coming our way. 
and With three different captains Marvel. <laughs> yes, and it's gonna be it's kind of cool what you have coming. And I'd like to say we can predict all this. We don't know what they're going to do. God, no. And we could be, you know, have, oh, we know this is coming, this is going to be this way. And, they're, and Kevin Feige's going to go, oh, you have no clue. Well, especially since they, they tend to use the titles as kind of the, the draw-in. Like, okay, this is, this is loosely themed around the title of the comic or the miniseries that it was based on, but it, it can just, it's going to go this way. Like, Civil War, you know, at the end of that, Cap dies. And it's like... Yeah, okay, well, I'm expecting this now in the film, right? No, it's, it, everything was fine. But, well, know. he stops being Captain America, though, at that point. Yeah, he gave up the shield. Yes. Prior to uh, Infinity War and Endgame, though, like I said, they were on that crash course to that, that storyline. And so every, even if the movie itself did not really deal with the main threat of Thanos, mm. the after credit scenes always had a clue as to what was happening next. Yeah. With now, with the after credit scenes, we have no like, they, they, like what blade? Like really? Like, <laughs> like what? What's happening? Like, <laughs> well, blade, the Black Knight. You also had um, Bruce Banner back because uh, that was the first, at the end of Shang Chi. You had Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner, not the Hulk, but Bruce Banner, and he still had his arm in the sling and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, how did he turn? You know, did he get back to being Banner? Because he was the intelligent he, he, Hulk. He just calmed down. No, no. true. <laughs> he, says, he wasn't in it as angry. So it was. It was just interesting to see. You don't have a. You don't know what's going on and everything. You're also getting. You know, you have the Hawkeye series, which introduced Kingpin mm-hmm. to the universe, and but you also had the introduction of Echo. And, and I think she's getting her own series. She's getting her own series also. Yeah. So it's it's just really, really, it's neat to see how things are tying together mm-hmm. and everything. So, but I would not expect like a big storyline uh, for a while. Well, I think they're still exploring the universe now. You do have one that's coming up that was introduced at the end of Loki, though. Yeah. You have Kang coming, mm-hmm. and Kang is. A huge Avengers villain, almost from the very beginning of the Avengers, and he has all these different identities because he was also Ramatut, he was also Mortis, and I think the version of him, he who should not be named, was in the Immortus version of him. And then you saw, yeah, because we haven't met Kang yet. No, we have not met Kang. You saw a statue of Kang in the Marriott lobby, but. <laughs> <laughs> But, at, and so it's just, it's interesting to see how things were changed. And so, and Kang is going to be the big villain in the next Ant-Man movie, The Scarf. And it's, that's where everything is officially starting for his run as the big villain through the MCU. So. Yeah, I would be really surprised, too, if he doesn't have some... We see him in something in the Doctor Strange movie because it just seems like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I've seen some rumors that people think he may be on the uh, the Illuminati, you know, council. Gotcha. Uh, he's someone who you know appear there. So I think he's been rumored to be in the movie. We also don't know like everything that we're seeing now is not taking place in order. Right. Uh, you know, because I, I think. Even though they happened like the same week that Kingpin made his debut, 
uh, Daredevil made his debut, those two things, the Spider-Man movie and the Hawkeye series, were not taking place at the same time. Uh, but the Marvel movies are five years ahead of us. Yes. Yeah. Right, because of the snap. Well, now it's only two. It started in 2024, and I think the I think Hawkeye was supposed to be Christmas 2024. Yes, yeah, so it should be. It was 2023 for Hawkeye. Was it? Okay, because I thought with the snap, was it 2023 or 2024? I'm just looking forward to going to Broadway to see Rogers the Musical. So. Get your tickets now. Yes. I, I, I think that that ten minutes that we got at the end, I think that was quite enough. Yes. Yeah. It was a bit much. It was interesting too because I was fully expecting some kind of tie-in with Spider-Man because if you saw at the end of Spider-Man, he was swinging around um, Rockefeller Center during Christmas time, also. And there just happened to be the same Christmas tree and everything. The tree yeah, was still at standing. At the beginning of No Way Home, you can actually see Rogers the Musical, uh, a billboard yeah. in the background. Right, because exactly. it's, it's, it's coming, but I don't think... Yeah, because, well... Well, they were doing the Statue of Liberty as a Captain America homage. They were putting the shield on her instead of heralding the torch. And they mentioned that in Hawkeye, too. Right, yeah. that they're... Yeah, that it's open. Yes, because Yelena, she came in to say, "I came came to see your new Statue of Liberty." Yeah, you know. Yeah, what a great character she's turned out to be. Oh yes. Um, if you guys have any, like, what do you want to see happen next in the MCU? Do you want to see any particular character get their own movie, TV show, any bad guy come back? Um, we want to hear from you guys. What are how you're feeling about what's coming up with Marvel? How many people plan to see the new Doctor Strange movie? Coming out my birthday weekend. Oh, yeah. cool. That is awesome. So we, now we know where, how we're all celebrating, right? Well, I, I, I usually always get the big tentpole movies that weekend, mm-hmm. and it's been a couple of years, and so I'm just so excited, and I'm hoping nothing gets canceled. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's true. Mm-hmm. What's up, Mark? Well, one thing I'd like to see, and one thing that I've heard is, is Elizabeth Olsen has renewed her contract with Marvel, so I'm kind of hoping that we'll maybe get a couple of Scarlet Witch-specific films. It's going to be very interesting what they do with her character, because I know she is going to be playing a huge part of the Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. And there's also a White Vision uh, floating out there, yeah, somewhere. But I'd like to see something with Scarlet Witch, and, you know, beyond Doctor Strange. You're also getting an Agatha Harkness, yeah, House of Harkness ha- uh, TV show, and I wouldn't be surprised if Scarlet Witch is a big part of that. I've heard rumors that she is going to be part of that. Yeah, which so. is not really sure, like, because there's there's things that I've seen in the trailer for Doctor Strange that sort of imply that maybe she's not going to be on the side of good, right? Not that she was extremely in, in one division, but that she may go full out heel. And, and there's some speculation that maybe at some point she'll do a reverse House of M, which will bring in the the, the mutants. The mutants. Cause yeah. In, in the comics with House of M, if you're not familiar, she at one point just said, no more mutants, and they vanished completely. And now that, that the X-Men and Fantastic Four and everything are under the Disney banner, you know, back with Marvel, that would be one way to get them back if she's that powerful, just, you know, Something along the lines of more mutants or something like that, and poof, they all appear. Yeah, especially with with uh, Patrick Stewart coming in for for uh, Doctor Strange. 
And, you know, they've also said with her character that she's going to be popping up throughout the different series also. So Scarlet Witch is one of the most powerful characters out there and everything, and they barely scratched the surface with her character. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they did. So, and it's also going to be very interesting to see where they go with some of the other characters. Like, we're getting Monica's character from Vision and Scarlet Witch. She's going to be in Marvels. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with her because she also, in the comic books, was a Captain Marvel. And because she also was known as Photon. And so it's going to be real interesting to see what they do with her. I want to see Darcy back, truthfully. <laughs> Darcy's cool. And Wang, Elsa. What's up? Um, I'm just curious what your theories are on how Moon Knight is going to tie in to the MCU. I was just about to ask, like, so I knew where they're all going to the movies, but how many people are interested in watching Moon Knight in a couple weeks? Okay, okay. That's they, cool, because like, I didn't think Moon Knight was a character that a lot of people knew. Well, the reason that I'm very excited about it... it I'm not a comic books guy. Like my knowledge of all this comes from movie and, and films. I didn't grow up with com the comic books, and so when they released a trailer, I was like, "Okay, this is somebody I know zero about. I am I am fresh game right here for this. You know, just fill my brain. Let me, let me see this. How many How many have read or are familiar with Marvel comics? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Has anyone read any of the Mar Moon Knight character? The, you know, the interesting thing about the Moon Knight epic collections, which collect the entire series in three volumes, yep. they keep selling out. So <laughs> they keep rising in price. definitely keep, readers keep, out there. They keep rising in price. <laughs> uh, well, I do believe that originally when he was conceived, Moon Knight was, was going to be Marvel Comics, and the comics answer to Batman. Uh, sort of a rich vigilante guy who goes out, and, you know, strikes fear in the hearts of criminals, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and they even had some, I think, former Batman writers, I mm -hmm. think, that worked, and an artist that worked on it. But it, um, but it was interesting because they had the character, ha and he was Moon Knight, but his secret identity was three different characters. And it's like, so it wasn't just Bruce Wayne. He was all, and then halfway through the series, they said, let's make him schizophrenic that he doesn't really know which identity he's going to be in and everything. And that's where they then started bringing in the whole Egyptian mythology and everything like that. And it got pretty cool, you know, stuff. So I would imagine that uh, Moon Knight is going to be very street level. I don't think that, but there's also some room for some mysticism. There's a lot of mysticism in it. So um, I don't foresee it leading into Doctor Strange, but because I do know that a lot of things have, you know, because of the pandemic and everything like that, their schedules are way off. So things that were supposed to link up to other things just are not doing that now. And so I think they're just getting over that hump. But I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, you get you sort of have the street levelness of like the Hawkeye series, mixed with the mysticism of like a, a Doctor Strange series. So it will be interesting to see if if that plays into it. But I don't, I can't even think of another character that could possibly interact with. But I don't know if that's any Kingpin. I don't think so. Well, do you think it'll, it'll link up with the characters you saw at the end of Eternals, where you know they're very museum and artifact based? 
the Black Knight and then leading into Blade. That could be. That could be. There could be some room there. Um, but in any of the trailers that I've seen for Moon Knight, I don't, I can't recall seeing any other MCU characters no. that we that are we're familiar with. So that means there will be some. That's just going to be a surprise. <laughs> Sir, yeah. do you think uh, they will do any merge of X Men with the uh, MCU at some point? Yes. It's like, wait. it's already. Can just bring in like Professor uh, X? Yes. In which way? Uh, Professor X will be in yeah. the Doctor like Strange. There's. They just bought like a box, but like. So they, they, in one division, they kind of opened the door and suggested that that uh, Wanda pulled in a Quicksilver from another universe, right? right. So that 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 the that the X Men that the um, uh, it wasn't Sony, was it Fox? Fox. Fox? Fox was putting together, was putting out there, um, is taking place in another universe. So with the universes all you know opening up to opening up to each other, I think that's the. Professor X. Yeah. The Patrick Stewart is going to be playing a version of that in in uh, Doctor Strange. We don't know that for sure, but so I would imagine that once the universe is settled, whatever, however that happens in the MCU, I think we will end up with mutants. Yeah. Uh, in that in that way, and then you know whether it's going to be mutants and X Men that we're already familiar with, or whether it's going to be brand new. My feeling is it's going to be brand new, but. I don't know. I'd be interested to see like, how that when, plays Whenever out. Kevin Feige's asked about this, you know, people are like, we want to see him now. He's like, patience. We have a plan. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. we want to do it right. We don't want to just throw him together. I'm going to keep messing with you, but I got a plan. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to keep, like, thinking that you think you know what's going on, but I'm... And you are probably going to see familiar X-Men, but not the same actors playing them, mm -hmm. most likely. Hugh Jackman's pretty much already said he he's, won't. He's, he's done with Wolverine <laughs> and everything. And, you know, you see... Things every every week. And then, so and so rumored. Disney to be, comes out with. Uh, let's see how much is in my wallet here. Boom, boom. boom. Hugh Jackman goes. All right, one more. I'll do one more. This, yeah. this is gonna hurt, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and because you know Hugh Jackman's approaching fifty. Yeah. And everything. And, and when he did Logan, he was like, "I, I can't do this anymore." Like, yeah, exactly. I can't it was play it. Yeah. It, it it hurt him physically and yeah. stuff. Because he wants to do a lot of theater and musicals sure, and such sure. and go down that route. And he's just like, I can't do this superhero stuff, you know. Yeah. But, you know, Ryan Reynolds comes along and says, hey, Deadpool 3, <laughs> which is happening. Yeah. And it is already, and he said, you never know, a certain long-clawed mutant might be popping up there, you know. So, <laughs> and it's like, Ryan, shut up. <laughs> I'm really hoping he pulls a, you know, a... Lethal weapon and just pops in and says, oh, nah. "I'm too old for this." <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. There's nothing on the current books over the next few years for an X Men project. Right now, I think they, they could be keeping it hush hush, but I wouldn't expect anything for a few years. Right. At least as far as focus, something focusing, whether it's TV show or movie, focusing on the X Men itself. It's going to happen at some point. It has to, mm -hmm. but it's probably probably going to be about three or four years away at least. Marvel still got a couple of things like holding places on the release schedule for the overall. They have a lot of TBAs, and it says you know unnamed Marvel project. Yeah, so maybe, maybe. Yeah, what's up? So you you brought up another character I was going to talk about. Uh, so Deadpool. Yes. We've already seen a semi merging of him with the MCU with his 
you know, commercial that he did record. Yes. So I'm wondering, mm -hmm. do you think they're going to pull Deadpool into the MCU? If so, how and when? Originally, if you want to know, if you there was just an article that was published um, that in the initial screen. Um, you know, the, they do storyboarding for every movie and everything. And Shane Chi, in, when they were doing the battles in the cages and everything, it was originally supposed to. It was supposed to be Deadpool versus Abomination, and they had they had to pull it because uh, Ryan Reynolds wasn't available for because he was doing I think Free Guy at the time or something. They also had a. Um there was one where he was supposed to be fighting, I think it was uh, Proxima Midnight, I think it was her name? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple different versions of it. I think they were just doing it to pull our legs, truthfully. I think Deadpool works when it's just not relevant to anything. Like, and so therefore it can have fun with whatever it wants to have fun with. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't, you know, I think it's a franchise that's not, it's a, it's a movie series that's not meant to be taken like uber seriously. And it can like just rise above and dip below like any of the stuff that's going on and have fun with it. Can you see him popping up in Doctor Strange just aggravating the hell out of Steve? I could, I could, I could see Deadpool popping up anywhere. Yes. <laughs> like, like a character goes to the restroom and boop, there his head comes out of the toilet. Like I, I could just like... Is this where I'm supposed to be? Exactly. <laughs> or did I make a wrong turn in Albuquerque? I you think, know, uh, something like that. you know, that's the fun of that character. He can be anywhere and do anything and just have fun and he's just above all that stuff. Okay. Um, I can also see one to just like, uh, no. <laughs> exactly. And he'll just turn to dust. Right. <laughs> and he'll be like, aww. So, uh, so yeah. Um, Another franchise I wouldn't mind seeing come into the MCU now, and they, the movie was not as bad as people were saying it was, was New Mutants. I actually, I actually enjoyed the movie a lot more than I was expecting it to be. Um, there was a lot of downfall for it, but it was overall. I liked the characters. I like how they introduced them, and it would be very interesting for them because that also was a Fox film, mm -hmm. and it was so they're pulled in also. So that's a whole another bunch of characters. But like Mike was saying with Deadpool, they could live out of the reality also because you know. The Colossus they had in the Deadpool movies wasn't the same Colossus from any of the X-Men movies. And so it was just, that's just another version in it, you know. So it would be cool to see Deadpool come in and how, because I don't want to see Deadpool become an Avenger or, you know, something like that. I could see him being aggravated to the Avengers, but... <laughs> But I don't see him becoming an Avenger or something like that. Whereas, you know, I love what they're doing, evolving the other characters, like Winter Soldier, the new Captain America. I, I'm looking forward to seeing Captain America 4 mm -hmm. when, you know, you have Sam as, you know, Cap and everything. And no, I don't want to see it go back to Steve Rogers either. Because, you know. But we still don't know where he is. He's on the moon, duh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> With Nick Fury. No. <laughs> He's a scroll. Exactly. So Don't it's kind of hard like that. <laughs> <laughs> we almost had our first spit take, folks. <laughs> but it's it's kind of cool. And, you know, we haven't even touched on Thor, mm -hmm. you know. 
what we have, you know, you have Jane Foster becoming Thor. I'm so excited for that. And it, it's, really it's going to be a lot of fun. You're also going to have the Guardians in it. Because the Guardians of the Galaxy will be in it. Or as Thor called it, the Asgardians of the Galaxy. So it'll be very interesting to see where it goes with that. Because they haven't released any real photos from it. You heard bits and pieces. But that's another one you haven't heard anything about. Which is, it's real interesting that, with that. And that we hopefully, I'm hoping we'll get a trailer for it by the end of Moon Knight. They've been teasing us with the trailer. <laughs> and at this point, I'm just kind of like, I don't even, I don't even know that I want to see a trailer. Just let me go into the movie and just be completely surprised. I, I, you know, as far as Marvel goes, they don't need to spend money money on any trailers. I mean, they just say we'll be there for you know, it. Just tell me when the, the movie comes out and the show is uh, premiering, and I'm there. Now, if they give us a trailer, I'm not going to complain. But at this point, it's kind of like I'm going to be there regardless. Yeah, same here. Same here. I, I just have a lot of admiration for what they've been able to pull off. Uh, I'm really curious as to their plan going forward. Uh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall, like when they're actually like doing all their, you know, who, which character can be in this, and you know, oh, that one's not a, this this character's not available. So how about this one? And and just all the stuff that they're able to pull off. I mean, they have the whole library. Uh, almost of Marvel characters at their fingertips, and they can just dip in and grab anybody and put them in anything. So, well, you're going to get like Mark, Mark Ruffalo is going to be um, in She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. You're going to be getting, you know, because that's how she gets her powers, you know, and he plays a pretty big role in it. Uh, the rumor is with She-Hulk that you're going to get more Matt Murdock too in that. Well, I mean, she's a lawyer. So yeah, exactly. It would make sense. He's a very good lawyer. That's right. <laughs> and it's, there's just so much goodness coming out of it. You're also getting Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming. You also are getting what, two specials. You're getting yeah. a, holiday, a Halloween special and a Christmas special yeah. for the Guardians. Like a, a group-themed holiday special. <laughs> and my understanding is, is that Guardians 3, while it may not be the last Guardians movie, it will be uh, James Gunn's swan song into the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, then from then on, I think he's going to be focused on the other company. The other company. Those other guys. Yeah. They're a distinguished competition. A distinguished competition. Yes. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Marvel's just a lot of fun. And there's just, like I said, there's so much to do and so much. And it's like, it's almost hard to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because. I want to go back and now watch all the Netflix shows again and, you know, to get, you know, reacquainted with them. So, and, you know, I still wanted to see David Tennant as one of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe, but now he's the Purple Man. And you can't pass that, you know, he's no coming back from that one. You can't go back on Jessica! Yeah. So, so it's pretty cool. Any other final thoughts? We're running, started low on time. You know, any other characters you guys want to see? Because we're going to be getting in uh, the next Guardians, we're getting Adam Warlock. And you're going to, that, you also got uh, Star Fox and Pip at the end of uh, Eternals. Mm-hmm. So you got major, major cosmic universe stuff coming. So. And I'm excited to see what happens uh, more on the Earth level with like Ironheart and Armor Wars down the line, too. Well, Ironheart's going to be in Wakanda forever. 
Nice. So that's where she's premiering. So that's going to be interesting to see. Sir? Yes. Do you think in the She-Hulk show we'll see more of the Hulk's enemies like the leader and Red Hulk? Mm, it's possible. I don't think you're going to see Red Hulk because of the actor. Oh, I just, forgot about that. He just passed away. Right. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know what they're going to do about Thunderbolt Ross. I mean, my, I would think that they, they would just uh, use another character from now on. Um, because they did kind of suggest that, uh, I think in the last movie, that or, or TV series, that Ross was getting kind of old or looked, had been through some stuff, right? right. In the Black Widow movie, right? Yes. Yeah, using a cane or something like that. Yeah, yeah so I think, um, yeah, that's unfortunate. So I don't know if he had filmed any other... Because they can't use Talbot because he was in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They can if they break the multiverse. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> Talbot was basically... Uh, Ross's left-hand man. Mm-hmm. So it was just—it was just interesting stuff. There, it would be great to see Hulk villains, and you, you're going to see—I know you're going to see some Hulk villains, but some other uh, villains. Uh, the actress who was on The Good Place is, um, is going to be one of the villains. Oh yeah, Jamila Jamil. Yeah, Jamila is going to be, I think, Thundra. I think it is, or something like that. If I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see her. And they're going to have... It's, She-Hulk's going to tie very heavily into the MCU and the world around it. But it's going to be also seeing which version of She-Hulk they do, too. Because you know, she's been very much played for a lighter character, too, at times. Yeah, I think my understanding is that they were going to go... Uh, they were basing their series heavily on the Peter David run. Uh, where she's a lawyer, um, which would be interesting because uh, I enjoyed that run a lot, but uh, Star Fox is featured in that run, and I wonder if we're going to see Star Fox uh, pop up on She-Hulk. Probably not. I don't think so. But Because um, I think this, this is a different different version of Star Fox, but it would be fun. Well, that's where Star Fox got into a lot of trouble, too, <laughs> the character itself, because... I don't think that's appropriate to get into today. <laughs> no, but isn't isn't he? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But isn't he Thanos's brother? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I know they look so much alike. <laughs> he got the looks in the deal. Yeah. <laughs> he did. So I don't. I, I I do. I don't know if the MCU is going to address that or not. But in the comics, yeah, Star Fox and Thanos are brothers. Well, they were originally supposed to in Eternals mention Thanos more because. He was supposed to be an eternal, also. Mm. So, well, yeah, that would make sense because Star Fox is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's just there's so much they could touch on. It's like they've introduced so many different theories, and they've been going for 25 movies, and already like what? Well, multiple TV series, and it just seems like they barely scratched the surface in a lot of ways, which is amazing. Because they're, they're being so cautious with the IP, they want to make sure they get everything right. And consistent. Yeah. They've done Spider-Man, right? They've done right by all the different characters. Mm-hmm. Heck, they've even now tied in the original Spider-Man and you know the second <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm telling you, when Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man showed up in that film, the theater erupted, you know, like cheered. Like I don't think I've I've heard before. It was awesome. 
Yeah. Toby's Spider-Man didn't even get as much cheers as that. I did my theater. Mine, my mine, theater. Mine erected. Mine popping. Yeah. They all yeah. Big <laughs> it's fun. That's what makes these movies so much fun. So yeah. I think they're going to continue to have fun like that. I, as much as we think we know and we've seen about Doctor Strange, my understand, my guess is that, again, we've barely scratched the surface, and there's going to be a lot of fun to be had in that movie. So it's pretty awesome. And then I'm also looking forward to hopefully the rumors are we're going to get a li- eventually get a live action Miles Morales. So I would love to see that too. So. We'll have to wait and see. Good night, son. Hmm? We're getting the high sign. So that is going to pretty much... <laughs> we're getting the high sign, so we're wrapping it up. So thank you guys for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. If you guys want to hear more of us rambling, come get postcards for part of Earth Station 1. And we do a weekly podcast, and you can find us anywhere up on the Internet. We're... Even with the good podcast, we're there. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Def Leppard has not released an album of original material since 2015. Seven years? Seven years already? Uh, But that is about to change on May 27th when Diamond Star Halos drops. That is their next album. And the title, of course, is taken from Bang a Gong by T-Rex. And if you listen to the first single from this album, which is entitled Kick, not to be confused with an excess, you will hear right away why this album was named after a T-Rex song. T-Rex lives, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting album. Al- Bluegrass artist Allison Krauss is going to be on a couple of tracks, and also Mike Gershon, who played keyboards back in the day for David Bowie, is on a couple of tracks. So can't wait to hear the rest of it. And Cardi B is now in the Guinness Book of World Records. She joins Katy Perry as one of only two women with three diamond-selling singles. Now that is ten times platinum and there's only like 75 there's less than 100 i think it's like 75 songs that even have this status in the world bruno mars has like five of them which is insane we need to get more ladies selling more singles y'all this has been the iconic rock talk show moment the blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com and we will catch you next time I'm Mark McCray, the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And if you're not listening to our podcast, then you're missing out on amazing interviews with Larry Houston, Tom Tatawanovich, Keone Young, Michael Swanigan, Ned Hastings, Bill Gollier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb, and so many others. Kick back and let Dan Klink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time for the Creative Outlet segment, and we have Austin Jowalski here. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, woo, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's find out what pro- your project. you got an amazing project. I actually have seen some of the artwork from this. This is pretty cool. So let's tell everyone out there about it. 
Uh, so my project is Stanley the Snowman. It's an all-age um, holiday series done in an anime style. And it is about uh, Jenny Love, who is a bit of a loner, but loves her family. And she has this magical ability to bring Stanley the Snowman to life every holiday season. So the Kickstarter is technically issue two, because uh, Stanley's picked up by Scout Comics. So they did issue number one. And what they normally do is it's nonstop to do the comic book and then they do the graphic novel. But we had the pandemic and COVID and paper shortages last year. So it got put on hold. And I want everyone to kind of wait and wait and wait. So that's why we're doing the Kickstarter for number two. That is awesome. I've, you know, been seeing all across Facebook, your project and people talking about it. It's pretty amazing. How did you come up with the characters and such? So uh, I've got three daughters. They're adults, but when they were teenagers, one Christmas, they're all bickering about one had more, one had a bigger present, that sort of thing. And I'm like, man, when we grew up, we had one big present, like that was it. And uh, the commercialism that was kind of like prevalent back in the early, you know, to late 80s and 90s and whatever. And man, family traditions was, was a big thing in our family. My dad was born on Christmas Day. So we were really immersed in the whole thing. And uh so I thought doing a story that focuses on trying to get the balance between the two, you know, not just all commercial, not like just all, just kind of do the both. And I didn't want to do a Santa story and a, uh, you know, reindeer story. No one's really done a snowman story since Frosty. So that's kind of how the basic idea came about. Now, Stanley is able to be brought to life by one person in the generation of the family by adding something to Stanley. Previous generations have like done the hat or the scarf or the hands or the carrot nose. Uh, Jenny's able to do this by she makes a locket, and that's how she's able to add to Stanley and bring him to life because he carries all their family traditions and history and the holiday spirit. Well, that is awesome. It is great. And how many issues are you planning on the series? The, the plan is to, we had the one that was through Scout. We're going to do this one, which is the next 24 pages of the story so people can get the first 48 and kind of get you ready uh, for the graphic novel that should be out hopefully in November or December of 2022. That is cool. That is very, yeah. very cool. So, you know, and how long is the Kickstarter going? Uh, we did 30 days. I believe we are 16 days left. Okay. So this, and this is being recorded right now on the 21st. Okay. And then we will, the show will be going out to everybody on the 24th. So... So you should have, you know, good 12, 12 days, yeah. two weeks in that time period to help support. And dudes, if you're at home, you guys, if you want to read a fun story, this is a great one to see. I'm really impressed, Austin, with your work. I'm really impressed with the stories. And I picked up a copy from Scout. So it's pretty cool. cool. Thank so. you. I've got a great uh, team that I work with, Juan Pablo amazing artist he's from peru he did exactly what i put on the page um we had dan strada who was calling the first 24 the pandemic slowed him down his family owned a business so he kind of took back and worked on and helped them so we got uh for ferdinand to do the rest of the coloring and nikki sherman helping with the lettering and uh we've got um andrea who's the editor at scout helping do the editing on the book so the people who worked around me and helped me put this thing together are really the unsung heroes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you like the story and I'm, I'm excited. I, I like the fact that this book was made specifically for the whole family. 
so that parents can read it to their kids. That might be something that they can make into a new tradition around the holiday season. And that's what I found from people who've actually bought the book and brought it to me. It's not just a father or a daughter. It's them together because they've read it together. Well, it's interesting because when I read the first issue, it was like, God, I wish my son was young again because I would read this to him. And it was that type of story. And it, I could definitely see this becoming a family tradition. I hope so. That's kind of the plan. Awesome, man. So how can people find you? Uh, the, so for the Kickstarter, it's called Stay on the Snowman, Operation Save the Holidays. And the nice thing with this Kickstarter is if you've never bought any Stanley books, uh, you can get uh, the Scout books, issue number one, and you can get issue number two. So you get the first 48 pages. You're not missing anything out. If you want to find a little bit more on social media, uh, on Austin Janowski and on Instagram for um, Facebook, to um, I don't do a lot of Twitter, but it's like Janowski 2002 You can that's, find out stuff about that. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Yeah. And we'd love to have you back on when you have future projects and everything. We love, you know, we love what you're doing. I thank you. I really appreciate that, guys. Awesome. Well, let's take a quick break, and we will be closing up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about The Atom Project. The Atom Project is a new movie on Netflix starring Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Gardner, Zoe Saldana, and Walker Schobel. It's an incredibly fun and heartfelt time travel movie, where Adam, played by Ryan Reynolds, goes back in time to stop the villain of the film, Maya, from making the future turn into what it is. He ends up at a different time than he had planned and meets a younger version of himself. He teams up with the 12-year-old version of himself to save the world. The two go back into the past to get help from their dead father, played by Mark Ruffalo. This movie was so fun. Seeing how Ryan Reynolds' character of Adam felt about how he treated his mother as a kid and his interaction with her as an adult was so sweet. I knew going in that this was a time travel movie. I also went in saying that if they didn't make a Back to the Future reference, I was going to be upset. But they did, so they didn't disappoint. I really loved this story. The cool future technology they had and just how well-written it all was made it a very fun watch. And really, it's a good movie for anyone's taste, in my opinion. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. want to thank Mark Maddox for sitting in for Mr. Mike Gordon tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate it, especially given the subject matter. This is a fun thing to do. I appreciate oh, it. it. I know it wasn't the main topic, but I thought for an interview, I thought it would be something that would be right up your alley. So, Oh, it was great. It thank was, you. Thank you. Great. Great to talk to him. It really was. And anything you want to shout out about or anything you want to promote? Oh, I've got some uh, new covers coming out soon, uh, probably here in the next month, maybe, maybe even less than a month. I'll have uh, two new covers for Scream, the, the comic book stand edition and then the new stand, the national, international stand edition. I've got a, um, uh, a couple of more covers I'm doing for a new action adventure series uh, for the Red Menace. Those will be coming out soon. Uh, a new cover for Little Shop of Horrors magazine. A new cover for Monster Bash magazine. Uh, another um, another uh, uh, movie poster uh, coming out soon. But let's see, some of the stuff I just can't talk about. But I am very busy and having a very good time. Oh, that's pretty darn awesome. Um, 
it's always good to see, like, even when you're at the newsstand, like when I'm at Barnes & Noble or something, and I'm looking through the magazines, and I see one of your covers. It's pretty darn awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's fun. It makes me, uh, you know, it, it's it's still surreal to me when I go in and see one on the stand. Oh, after. I'm, I'm sure, because it's like, that's my work, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. It's like the old days when I used to be in radio, and I'd be switching channels, and all of a sudden, I'd hear one of my commercials. And it's like, uh, wait a minute, yeah. that voice, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's So it's pretty awesome work hearing people like, hey, were you on NPR today? You know, it's like, yes, that was me. So That's cool. It is. That's cool. It's, it's pretty awesome. So it's a, it's pretty much the same thing. But, you know, I am, dude, I've known you for 10 years now. And, right. you know, I've loved to see how you've grown and, you know, how you've, you've succeeded, man. I really am. Well, I have good I've, friends have helped, you know, you, you helped. Uh, I've had people that, uh, you know, cheered me on and you were one of them. And I think it, uh, got me where I am. Dude, it's been an honor and I'm looking forward to even the higher levels you're going to even go to next. So it's pretty well, cool. Appreciate it. Cool. Thank you, sir. Not a problem. Uh, of course we want to thank the folks over at the con we were at this past weekend the pandemic tour was a lot of fun to be part of we got to do three panels you got to hear one of them tonight with the what's next in the mcu we also did a doctor who panel and we also did a podcasting 101 panel so it was a ton of fun to get some amazing questions and everything and we did record all three of them so the other two will be going up on patreon probably over the next month or so so keep an eye out for them and you know another reason to be part of our patreon or the patreon of eso i need to put an echo behind that i think i think that would be really awesome so it's pretty cool um a couple different tv things that judy and i've been watching we mentioned last week that we've been watching the righteous gemstones on hbo and it is an amazing tale we just finished season one and it was a blast and everything. If, you know, you don't have to be religious because if you're religious, you're going to find it sac- sacrilegious completely. But it's a ton of fun if you grew up watching the 700 Club or the Crystal Palace and all that kind of stuff, you know. And it makes fun of it. It parody- parodies it. And it's a really good story. It, it and The acting is awesome too and definitely check it out like i mentioned last week um this week judy and i have been catching up with one of our favorite series on amazon prime upload is back if you haven't seen upload it is the story of a computer programmer who lives probably about 15 20 years in our future and is basically when people die, they upload their presence right before they pass on and put it onto a hard drive and they get to live in the afterlife. And which is a huge, um, it could be, it depends how much money you have. You could be in this huge like resort or you can be living in the slums. It could be, you know, it just depends on how much money your family has to pay for that. And it is a comedy slash drama and it's a ton of fun and it does it it it's like one of those onions you have to peel it to see all the different levels and it has the concept of being one thing but it, it turns out to be something else 
and it, it is definitely worth checking out. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. That's why I'm being kind of vague on it. Oh, also, a big big shout out also to the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which just finished its fourth season. A ton of fun. Um, I'm very curious to see where they're going to be going with the characters because they've announced that the fifth season will be its final season. So definitely check it out. Uh, Mrs. Maisel's a ton of fun. If you like old time TV, if you like uh, era stuff, because it takes place in the late fifties, early sixties, and the acting is just amazing. And so, I, I I didn't realize the new season was finished. I was going to wait until it was done. I loved the first three seasons tremendously, and I thought, well, I'll wait until it's over. Now you're telling me it's finished, so I'm definitely going to be checking it out like starting tomorrow it was interesting the way they because i thought there was going to be more episodes and judy was like nope that's episode eight that's it and i was like that's that's it that's how they ended it most it's interesting most shows nowadays are doing only eight episodes eight to six like the marvel shows or um and such or some of the dc shows even um star trek i think is one of the exceptions they think they do 13 and you know it's so it's going to be, it's very interesting to see. You and I are from the era of 24 episodes per, per 24 hour long episodes per show used to when we were kids. Oh, of course. Because like Judy, Judy wanted to start watching Star Trek The Next Generation because she never did. And yeah. she says, oh, it should be fairly easy to catch up on it. I said, no, those, those were the times when the seasons were 22, 23 episodes and, they were, and they were hour long. And yeah. so you would have a lot to catch up with. Yeah, yeah, but it's but it's so worth it, you know. If you yeah, have for it. sure, I'm definitely gonna check out Mrs. Maisel. I love the first three seasons. Oh, this takes it to another level, which is awesome. And I'll talk yeah. to you about it off the air, you know, type stuff. So it's pretty cool. No spoilers. Oh, I won't. I'm gonna wait till you're done <laughs> with the season. <laughs> right, so we'll right, talk right. about it. We'll do one of our you know reviews between Mike and Mark. So <laughs> it'd be cool. very cool. So definitely, folks. Check out those things. As always, we like to say thank you for joining us this week. We will be back again next week, as we like to say. And we got a very special episode, actually. We are going to be doing an artist spotlight, but we are talking to artist Fred Hembeck. That's right. He is a true legend in the comic industry. You ask him that, he won't say he's a legend. He says he's just poor, <laughs> some poor schlub who has been a big fan of the comic industry for many, many years. So we are going to be talking to Fred, actually, because usually in the past when we've done like George Perez or John Byrne or Roy Thomas and stuff, we just talk about them. We talk about all their work and everything. We're actually getting Fred on the show for this one. That's I nice. Think. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to do, talk about all how I grew up with him and all the different, you know, things that, you know, he's done over the years, all the different books and how he's destroyed both of the major comic industries heroes. It's pretty awesome. He's killed them off, which is, you know, pretty decent to see. So definitely worth checking out. And, you know, we definitely, like we said, please leave us feedback. We are always available at, you know, feedback at earthstation1.com and we of course want to also before we get out of here want to say mike gordon we're looking forward to seeing you back on the show and he'll be back next week when we talk to fred but as always thanks for listening to the earth station one podcast we're powered by nsc you can find them at nsclivetv.com remember you can also find earth station one wherever fine podcasts are found including now tune in please subscribe and tell all your friends about us 
on behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, who's not here this week, and of course, Mr. Mark Maddox, thank you again for listening. We will see you here next time on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and of course, think for peace, folks. That's what we need the most right now. You know, there's some craziness in the world, and, you know, let's hope it doesn't get worse. That's all we have to say. We'll see you soon. Peace. And we're done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. I'm vengeance.